I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. So uh, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. All right, good morning, or afternoon, or evening, one of those. I have four kids. Uh, do any of you know what Salah means there in the Psalms? Uh, I, I don't, uh, and uh, none of the commentators do. I, all they do is have theories and conjecture. Um, and so I, I'm just going to give you my theory and conjecture. This is not necessarily true, it's just my opinion. I just think it means like lute solo or like guitar solo, or you know, like a refrain. Um, other, other commentators say it means like pause or something. Pause, wait, and then go to the next. But if, you, if I'd love to hear your theory afterwards. You have a theory for Selah? No? Okay. Um, uh, we've been going through some psalms. We have two more psalms coming up, and then uh, uh, I'm gonna be gone a couple weeks, and then we're gonna go into Philippians. Uh, so I think, I think we'll, we'll do that for seven weeks uh, over the summer. It should be a lot of fun uh, for me, for sure. Uh, but what, we've been going through the Psalms, and uh, we get this, um, uh, the Dr. Jean Calvin uh, said that the Psalms cover the whole spectrum of human emotions. If you felt it, we can find it in the Psalms, which is pretty great. Um, they're not so outdated as we might think when we look at Scripture. And Psalm 3 offers up an emotion that I, I, I don't think we use in daily language a lot about ourselves, but it talks about fear. And uh, we might associate those with, uh, my kids uh, call them like jump scares, you know, like scary movies popping out, scaring you, or... or um, we might associate fear with like a badly lit alleyway with some, you know, eerie music. Just a singular piano note. Bong, bong, as the character walks down the dimly neat lit alleyway. Okay, just me? All right. Um, uh, but, but what we find is, is that the way the, the Psalms, especially in Psalm 3, describe fear is we can really attach it and overlap with anxiety. Now, I don't, I'm not gonna say that fear is equal to anxiety. That, that's a little imprecise. Well, a lot of impre imprecision. But I do think that there's enough overlap from what a modern would understand as anxiety. There's a lot of overlap from where the Psalms center in on fear. So I think it would um, be good to look at it from that uh, point of view. W.H. Uh, Auden, poet, um, he, he described, um, even in, we get this, we've coined this cultural phrase from Auden um, when he described modern uh, life and he called it the age of anxiety. So if you've ever heard that phrase, it comes from Auden as he was looking at our modern culture. 
But I would submit to you, it's not, it's not just modern, it's really ancient as well. This is where we're going. Um, I, I wanna just describe fear for uh, David, like an ancient person. Uh, and then I wanna describe fear for a modern person. And then uh, I think Psalm 3 really gives us, um, th- there's another tool, I didn't go, because I wanted to keep this a little shorter, but, but there's, there's three simple tools that Psalm 3 gives us. Um, and uh, w- one of them is when you look at your own fears and my own fears, is that forward is gonna be the only way through. Uh, and then we're gonna look at how we all need a sub. We need a substitute. We need, we need a, a different glory than the glory that we've been chasing after. And then uh, the last thing I, I wanna look at is how can you have, when in your fear and in my fears, maybe sub-anxiety there, uh, how do we get that weird confidence when it's really, when all the evidence really goes against it? Like all the evidence says, yeah, I think you should actually be afraid. I actually think you should worry a little bit. Um, so where do we get that confidence when all the evidence, logical, rational evidence is, is against that? So that's where we're going. So I, what I wanna do is look at uh, fear for David first, and um, in, in David's situation, it even titled it in the text for us. It says, I, I wrote this psalm, I wrote this song when my son was chasing me, uh, and a lot of my cronies that I used to know, um, they're chasing me, and they, my, my, own, my own flesh and blood wants, wants me to die. And so he writes this in the middle of that. And, and we get this in verse one. Um, so, so David says, look, part of why I do have real fears is um, I can identify real people who want my demise. And, like I said, and, and part of that is an intimate relationship who really do want my demise. It says that. Um, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me, Absalom and others. Very simple. But then there's something else. This is in verse two. A lot of people are talking about my soul. And they're saying, God's not gonna rescue him. So I have people against me and then I have, could be an overlap, same people saying, yeah, and God's against you too. God's against you too, David. Uh, So, our situation is this. Your situation is this. We are not really nervous about getting an arrow through ribs two and three, right? You don't go to your workplace. I don't go to my workplace. I mean, I might like slip on a toy or something, but like I'm not worried about an arrow um, like David is. That's not our daily experience. But we do have something else. For some of you, you've heard strains of familiarity because I've used this guy before, um, and you've heard this part before, but I think we're gonna find new air afterwards. So if you're like, I've heard Tim say that before, um, you have, uh, but it's a good reminder, good reminder. So I'm leaning on a guy named Rollo May here. Um, he was a psychologist, researcher, 1950s, and the amazing thing about Rollo May, especially in his work on anxiety and fear, it's held up. Even with all the advancements that we've had in psychology, a lot of his body of work on fear and anxiety has held up to this day. So he, 
important, important researcher. And he said this. He said, um, uh, specific, there are such a thing as specific and constructive fears. And he said, it's really good that we fear them. Okay? It's really good. Um, some of you would refer to it, or I might refer to it as the mama bear instinct. Right? Something is going to threaten your child, and it is specific. You know what's going to threaten your child, and you acting in fight or flight as a mama bear is very constructive. It, what, it corrals all of your energy, all of your focus, all of your uh, awesome she-woman magic. Say, I will destroy whatever comes in the path of my poor child. Um, and that is specific and constructive. It is good that we have those fears because it makes us move. Um, small, small sample, some of you heard this story too. Um, I, I was walking to Jameson to, to school with his, uh, a big pack of kids from our uh, uh, block and we had multiple parents and we came to this one crossing and uh, there were two packs of kids and Jameson went to the front and um, I was in the middle, and this car, who was blinded by the sun, given the most charitable reading of the situation, um, uh, <laughs> um, threaded these two packs of kids inexplicably, and his, the, his car hit Jameson's backpack and swung it around, and he was like accelerating into it. Okay, um, I had specific and constructive response that was insane reaction times. I am, I am a tall, uncoordinated man, and yet, in a span of pow, I ran for and slapped, I don't even know what I was doing, I slapped my hands on the, um, the car, I think I broke his mirror, I'm saying that publicly, that's evidence now, uh, <laughs> right, car comes screeching to a halt, I am unclear of any other words I might have said post that situation, so don't push on that, okay? Um, but, but it was specific, it was constructive, no one was hurt, um, and that's, that's pretty amazing. There was some other kind of fear, though, that happened. And this is what Rollo May says. He says, there is something that happens after a specific and constructive fear that is general and diffuse. And I experienced it. The trouble was over. He was fine. Um, ask me after what, what Jameson said. It's kind of funny, but I, I don't want to lose steam here. No, 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 no. It's, it's kind of not appropriate. <laughs> but I will tell you afterwards. Uh, and so uh, I experienced something. I, ex I was in the afternoon, in the evening. For, for, for a I would replay that, and I was like, whoa. Whoa, just so close. And, and we've got, we've got a, a dead or a severely injured boy, right? Like, and, and I could feel it. And I, I was like, I couldn't have done anything. I couldn't have done. Like, it, that was a very general and diffuse fear. So Rollo May says this. He says that there is, um, there's this fears that we have that, is, that are general and diffuse, and we can't really put our finger on it because uh, we, can't, we can't corral our body. There's, what, what response do we have? Do, we're no running, we're not slapping anything, we're not going mama bear on anybody. Like, what, what do we do? And so he says this, is there's this low-grade presence of anxiety and fear 
that is activating a lot of physical things in our body. And it has a huge impact on our body. Ulcers, high blood pressure, heart disease, um, fatigue, um, exhaustion. If you want to read a book about this, there's a little book called um, The Body Keeps Score. And it talks about like whatever kind of trauma you go through. Let's say you don't want to deal with it. Let's say you don't care. Let's say you're just like muscle forward. It says, oh, did you know that your body remembers and it knows that it needs to do something, but there's a huge impact it has on your physical body. Little, that's a little sidebar. Now, you and I, this is the modern um, uh, understanding of fear with this general and diffuse fear is you and I probably wouldn't talk to our friends, our coworkers in this way and say, you know what, I believe I am fearful today. Like not many of us are gonna say, I be- you know, I think I'm afraid. Could you pass the salt? Like, like we're, we're not going to necessarily use those words and yet there is something there that sounds an awful lot like Psalm 3. Okay. So what does David give to us? That's kind of a description of fear. I could have gone, I can go more here, but I, I think we do need a little bit of truncated time here tonight. Um, uh, what does David give to you, and what does David give to me in light of fears, general and diffuse, and maybe specific and constructive, and they, it might happen altogether? Um, here's the first one. The way forward is the only way through. Where do we get this? Verse three. Um, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Uh, I I don't know, um, I love when I'm at the Met or if I'm at the Getty, I love going through those um, those cool ancient um, army gear. Like it can be like uh, 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 army uh, armor or it can be old cool weapons. Um, but they always have some section where they have really cool shields. And now I'm not a pro here, uh, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm ripping off commentators, okay? But what's really cool about this is that there are so many different shields for different kind of hand-to-hand combat, close combat. Uh, but, but, but the shield here that's described here around you is a very, it's like a, it's huge. It's huge, and it's not really pl- practical for that up-close that up close thing, but what this, this big shield, like a, a barn door or something, it, it's for a very specific purpose, and you guys have seen the movie, so you'll get it, but it's for when you are going forward and you're following your commander and you are going to take a city. But this is, this is the amazing thing about that, is that uh, you are not going into less danger. You are going into hot oil, rocks, arrows. I don't know why I'm laughing. Uh, you're, you're going into more danger with this kind of shield. And, and David says, you're a shield about me, but I'm gonna follow you. It's safer to trust your commander going forward into danger than running away. You will have no shield if you run away. It's a reminder to us too is that, oh, oh, he's not guaranteeing the Christian life to be absent of danger. He's saying you will have a shield around you. 
The only way forward is through. I need this as much as you guys do. I need this. I I can't look back and say, you know what? My job is to restore some mythical past with relationships, my marriage, friendships, ministry. The way forward is not back. Now, arrows will land in your back. The way forward is to follow your commander in obedience because there's a shield there. So part of what David's saying, and it's not going to sound very Christian-y to you, is saying, get up out of bed and you take the next step in obedience to your commander because there's a shield there. So uh, am I saying, suck it up and take the next step? Well, yeah, sort of, that's the first step. It gets better, okay? Um, the only way forward, or the only way through is forward because it's the only way that's truly protected. All right, um, this is David's second strategy uh, or tool that he gives to you, me. Um, he says this, um, verse three, You and I need a sub for our other glories. Verse three, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Okay, we got that. My glory and the lifter of my head. Um, So David came to this idea. Oh, you're my glory, and I've had my head down. I mean, you can kind of feel the slumping but what you did is you just, you lifted up my head. Now, David came to this conclusion that God was his glory um, through the fear, through the running, through the darkness, through the, I, I, don't, I feel out of control, I, I feel like I'm gonna die. What does that mean? He came to this conclusion, conclusion in Psalm three. What does that mean? It means that, guess what? Something else was lifting up his head prior to this idea. Something else was lifting his head, right? Something else was giving him a spine. Something else made him walk boldly through life. That, he's not saying this unless something else was lifting up his head. So, what could it be for David? I'm a pretty decent dad. I'm a pretty decent dad. And I'm power, like I'm a, I'm a ruler of a small country. Huh, what do you do? Right? I have power, I have influence, I can move chess pieces, I can get stuff done. Um, P.S., I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but they kind of make songs about me. (laughs) You know, that one about Saul killing his thousands, well, the songs said ten thousands about me. My poll number's kind of high. All right, something else was lifting his head. When those things are in place, when the people love you, David, and it's working, like, hey, I've got, my, my head's lifted. I'm cool, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, I can wake up, I can walk around, I can have bright eyes. I can get pat people on the back, how you doing? I, I can do that. Um, because those things reflect their glory on me. 
I get glory from the people. I get glory from being a good dad. I get glory from, for being a ruler. I get glory. They reflect glory on me, and they, they lift my head. Um, it doesn't have to be David's things. You know what? It can be like, hey, I drive this certain thing because it kind of reflects glory back to me. I wear this certain thing because guess what? It reflects glory back to me. Now, we wouldn't say that out loud because that would make us look dumb. But we do it. Right? I, I, I knocked it out on this project and I can walk around with my head up at the office. Um, they push glory back to us, they lift my head. Now this is really subtle, but I think it's noteworthy. Look at this, um, um, verse three. Um, You're my glory and the lifter of my head. This is subtle, but David doesn't say this. I wake up, I take the next step, and I'm like, I look in the mirror and say, David, you're a winner. David, you're a winner, get to it. Like, David positivity. No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? Um, He says, you lift my head. You lift my head. Right? David knows it's like, God himself is saying, I am proud of you, I am well pleased with you. I'm gonna sub in God's glory that reflects back on me for these other puny glories that evaporate and are, are, are attached to, to, to circumstance. But God is not attached to circumstance, so at all times, he can lift your head. All right, that sounds nice, but I think we, I think, I think we have a problem here, and it is, it's, it's a legitimate problem. We've gotta be brutally real here, and we've gotta be honest amongst each other. Because it leads us to this next point, is David has that confidence, you lift my head. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? But it's in the middle of contrary evidence. Like, how is David so certain that God loves him when the evidence is damning? Like, he's actually been a pretty absent dad. Dysfunctional family dynamics, it's just filled with a pile of it. Um, He had an affair, um, abusing his power. Like, if there's a me too worthy moment, this is like, oh, King David and Bathsheba, like, yeah, that's me too. Like, like, yep, get in line, buddy. Um, he's, He's plotted and killed, and this is the amazing thing about Uriah, is Uriah is an old school friend of his who is a very close friend, and he's very loyal. And, and this, is what, this is what he did. David used this gorgeous quality about a person. I'm loyal, I'm an old friend, and look, you tell me to do something, I'm gonna do it for you, buddy. He uses that gorgeous quality to have him killed. How, how twisted is that? Like, the very best thing about you, I'm gonna use against you so that you die and I can get rid of you. Like, so that's evidence. He's messed up. Um, He's on the run, he's lost the poles, all the Pharaoh, like it's warrant, the people being angry at, at, at David is warranted. Like it's not 
un, like we should, we're not being like, oh man, that, that stinks. They just didn't hear your side of the story, David. Huh? I think it's a misunderstanding. No, it's like, it's true. Yep, yep, you sh- probably should be running. Yep, you probably should die. Yep. So, so, so this is it. This is what we have to be honest about. It's like, on what grounds can, we, can, can David say, uh, yeah, God is for me and he's my shield. Like, he has no evidence for that. Like, we've got to be brutally honest there. Um, verse five and six. They, the people, have cause. I, I, listen to this. I laid down and slept because I think God is for me. I woke up and I, had, I was refreshed. The Lord sustained me. I won't be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me. Um, they all have the receipts on David and he sleeps well. Okay, when we have this pile of evidence, and and look, all of us have this, we have piles of evidence that we have kind of sort of messed up this thing that was given to us. We do. I I, I just, I have just, it's, it's a crypto blockchain that is immovable of my behavior and the things I've said and thought and put in a place and been a part of and like, I. Who can, who can go around? Here's the secret in verse four. Look at, here's, here it is. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. What's he saying? He's saying there's a place of dead animals and oil and rocks stacked on each other. There's a place where my foibles and my problems and my flaws and my brokenness and my sin and my errors and my misdeeds and my missteps, whatever, are dealt with. My God provides a place where there is real forgiveness. For the mountain of evidence. which kind of sounds primitive and savage, doesn't it? Like, whoa, dead animals, back up, buddy. That's very ancient sounding. But David is saying, my God offers a place, forgiveness for all this. So how do we know this? Because David knew Moses' account. David knew, and I think he's quoting Genesis 15 in Psalm 3. Um, what is Genesis 15? This is the, the first uh, couple verses of Genesis 15. This is God speaking to Abram. Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield. And your reward shall be very great. Many of you have heard this before. Some of you haven't. But, so, but it's, it's huge in understanding the Old Testament and the Bible is an ancient way to make a deal with somebody. It can be a business deal, it can be a peace treaty, is to do this. And it's, it's ancient outside of biblical texts. So like, this is how ancient rulers would set up a peace treaty, is they would come together, and they, would ha- <clears throat> they wouldn't do themselves, but they would have their minions build a ditch, like in a V, and they'd get a lot of valuable animals and what they would do is they would cut the animals in half, 
kind of barbaric, kind of savage, kind of primitive, right? And they put the animal carcasses on either side of the V and the blood runs to the center of the channel, okay? And then this is what you, both parties, both rulers, what they do is they walk through that channel and they get blood all over their sandals and they're probably splashing up on their robe. And this is the treaty. Like I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain and you're gonna hold up your end of the bargain and if you don't, this is a graphic reminder, maybe be cut in two. It's kind of a, the basis of a legal system and contracts in the Old Testament. So this is what happens is um, uh, there's a ditch. He says, Abram, I need a ditch. I need animals. What is Abram thinking? Some promises are about to go down. Like, yep, okay, we're going to have a deal. We're going to have a covenant of some kind. I don't know what it is. So the animals get cut, the blood flows to the middle of the V, and then the text tells us, um, Abe, Abe was tired, and he conked out. And then the text tells us this, is God himself represented in a smoking pot and a flaming torch, um, go, goes through the ditch, and one of them represents God, and one of them is representing Abe, who is asleep. God is saying this, is I'm gonna make this happen based on my vo- very own actions. And if, it de- and if it doesn't happen, may I be caught. This is, go- this is the confidence that Dave has with this m- pile of evidence. Oh, God is my shield because he put everything on himself. That's what we believe. Um, despite all the evidence against me, that's how I know. It's not in my head. I'm a lift, I'm, I can lift my head because it's, it's God who does it and it's God who makes it so that it can be done. I'm not afraid. I can sleep. I can wake up refreshed. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. That was a perfect giggle companion to I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. So what is the strange antidote from Psalm 3? Well, we move forward because the only way is forward with God's protection. We need a sub for our puny glories that we have demanded reflect back to us. And we're gonna trust that God's approval is based on his own actions, not our evidence. Yeah, let's pray that. Jesus, um, thank you for your kindness, deep kindness that was on another holy hill a landfill to put away with all of the bloody animals, all of the sacrifices for our fears, specific and diffuse, in Jesus' name.